You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, I feel all right now. Hey, I feel all right now. Do you feel like I do right now? Do you feel like I do right now? Motivated. Motivated. Rocksteady. Rocksteady. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can do it. I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. This is David's pick, and we have a very special guest on today, and we're delighted to have him on, and uh, I'm going to let him tell part of his story. I'll tell part of it. Uh, we have Tommy Clack on. Many of you all know him and uh, know him from the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and uh, Tommy and I, uh, I was very blessed last night to uh, have a long conversation with Tommy, and uh I uh, spoke with um, our friend, our mutual friend, Rick White, after I'd spoken to uh, Tommy. And I tell you what, folks, um, Tommy's a lot tougher than I am, so he may be the one that makes it through the show, and I may or may not make it through the show. So, well, things happen, and this will be a good opportunity to uh, take off our hats and... Uh, Tip him to another Hall of Famer, and that's uh, General Richard Dix. And um, General Dix has been called back up and is serving in our back in the Army. And uh, he's you'll hear different reports on uh, television about General, or not about General Dix, but on the logistics of what's going on in across the country with ventilators and masks and everything else. And uh, that's what General Dix has been called up on. So let's uh, let's try this one more time. Okay, Tommy, can you hear me all right? Okay, well, I'm on the phone. Let me transfer you in, and we'll see what happens, okay? All right, hold on. Okay, uh, Tommy, can you hear me all right now? Okay, you got me? Yeah, I got you fine. Can you hear me all right? Okay, I don't know what's going on, Dave. I am. I cannot understand. I know you're there. I can hear a voice, but I can't hear what you're saying. Well, I uh, quite frankly don't know what's going on okay. either. <laughs> um, all I can do is play with the buttons and see if one of them happens to uh, get to you better than the other one. As I mentioned to begin with, and uh, hopefully people were listening then, they were. We've got Tommy Clack on, and uh, Tommy and I had, uh, or I had the privilege of talking to Tommy last night, and uh, uh, quite an inspirational uh, speaker and quite an inspirational story. And um, Tommy's a, a whole lot tougher than I am, and without question. And uh, normally I would go through it and. We'd walk around and, and talk about what happened in Vietnam. And, and uh, I meant to ask you last night, I asked you about IEDs, and, and basically back then it was, weren't they called um, Poppin' Johnnies? That booby traps. Yeah. A lot of different words, you know, that made out of many things from grenades to 500-pound bombs. And uh, they used to use our sea ration cans for some of them, I believe. I put put a grenade in it with a trip wire and pull it out and bang. And bang. So, you know, 
do you mind relating your story of, of uh, what happened in Vietnam? I don't have a problem doing that. You know, that's what you want me to proceed on? Yeah, let's let's start it, and then everybody can sort of get a, a idea, a picture in their own mind, and uh, then we'll just keep going with uh, your story from there and your induction into the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And, I, uh, and by the way, folks, I want you to remember that Tommy is available for... <laughs> You do uh, talks all over the country, and um, uh, if you have a special need for a great inspirational speaker, may I suggest that you get a hold of Tommy Clack. And if you need information on that, we'll be glad to provide it, with Tommy's permission, obviously. But, well, thank uh, you. You know, anytime uh, you need an inspiration, I... I uh, after I talked to you last night, Tommy, uh, I I went to bed shaking my head, and uh, you're just absolutely incredible. So I'll let you tell your story, and then we'll go from there. Well, part of my background is I I grew up in with a, in a military family. My dad was 20 year army, fought uh, World War II in Korea. So I grew up with that disciplined background. I think that's uh, still helping me, you know. 73 years later after birth, but I was one of those that knew I was uh, was going in the military. I think when we grow up in that environment, that instills in us, uh, we want to be like our dads, and I needed to find out if I was half the man my dad was, and uh, you know, volunteer for the Army, volunteer for Vietnam, which was my generation's war. I uh, got to serve with a Charlie Company, 2nd and 27th Wolfhounds, uh, with the 27th Infantry Division uh, over on the Cambodian border, uh, just northeast of Saigon. And, and like every company, uh, you know, battalion, squad, platoon, whatever, you know, there's always the, the potential for constant engagement. I think that's one of the odd things about Vietnam. You could go for days without seeing anybody or anything, and all of a sudden, just all hell breaks loose, and, and you're in it for life. So that was pretty much the environment we were in, uh, probably all over Vietnam. But on May 29, 69, we got out to go on uh, a several company uh, operation, and I was assigned as a Ford Observer to Charlie Company in terms of conducting the artillery strike. Yeah, I started to say, isn't Charlie Company martyrs? Say again. In, uh, as I recall, and I certainly I'm wrong more than I'm right, but uh, isn't the Charlie Company martyrs? Uh, well, that that is eleven Charlie in terms of the MOS. Oh, okay. The Charlie Company. There's a Alpha Bravo Charlie Delta Echo Company in a battalion. Right, right. So that let's say that was Charlie Company was a company of 120 to 160 men. Okay. Right. Uh, but 11C is mortars. I do believe you're right on that in terms of infantry. But uh, I was there assigned FO, and we were out on this mission, and we were courting off a village uh, in terms of multiple uh, companies being involved in this mission that day. And, and we're going along, and uh, we don't know if it was incoming or a, a booby trap mine, whatever, but I got hit in the right foot uh, by a a high-explosive round, and that's what really saved my life. Uh, I, I was conscious for about five minutes after it happened. I remember going through the air, and I 
set that, you know, land on the ground, and I still had vision at that point. I could see everybody running everywhere. And I laid back down, and I, I looked over, and my right arm was gone. My whole right arm and uh, shoulder are totally gone. And uh, I, I started losing conscious at that point. And I remember uh, a couple of guys came up and started working on me. And the one thing they remember, we, we talk about this when we have our reunions, and I kept telling them to, to please move my right arm. It was hurting, and it, it wasn't there. So mm. that was a, a rather unique thing there. But it turned out that... Uh, the explosion uh, took off my right leg, uh, all, all about three inches of the, the right femur and uh, the left leg above the knee. And what saved my life is the fireball from that explosion uh, cauterized everything, and I did not bleed out. Yeah, I started to say, my God, with uh, with that much damage, uh, it, it would have only taken seconds to bled out. Exactly. And uh, the one thing that... Uh, John Quintrell, who would who uh, was a sergeant of the second platoon of Charlie Company, I would I actually was with them uh, walking around that day went on this mission, and they remember that I looked solid black with just white eyeballs. So you can imagine, I think the horror of all them. A lot of guys still don't like to talk about what they looked at that day, but that is the reality of war and combat. And on the way back on the helicopter. I, I still remember this, and very vivid in my mind. All of a sudden, I people laugh at this, but it, it, it happened to me. I, I had a, what we call a, a near-death experience, and I actually came out of my body, and it, I was at the foot of my uh, where my foot would be, looking at me laying down, and it covered me up with a poncho, signifying that I had passed away, and. When we got back to Coochie, I was laid out on the, the tarmac there with the, the poncho still over me. And uh, a doctor later, I uh, don't know the time frame, but later a doctor came out of the 12th of VAC and doesn't know why he walked over to where several of us were laying there. And he lifted up my poncho and he saw something in me. And here I am. I am I'm still alive. 50-plus years later, by the grace of God, and uh, uh, just a very unique experience. Wow. Oh, you know, we, uh, and and this is a good place to throw it in, my, and, and I've always, I've made it very clear, as I made it clear and told you last night, I did not serve in Vietnam. I served in what they call now the Vietnam era, but I did not serve in Vietnam, but when uh, heroes that we've had on this show and other shows have to be those evac, the dust-off pilots. I think they're the greatest pilots in the world. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, going no, after no you, going after all of the others that they've gone after. And uh, Donna Rowe, uh, uh, Captain Rowe, was, has been on the show. And, uh, when Great she, lady. Oh, yeah, she is a beautiful lady. And... Uh, I told her, I said, you know, had someone been wounded and woke up and saw you, you'd they'd think they were they were in heaven at that point. Um, I understand. She's understand. A beautiful, beautiful well, that, lady. That, that was one of the missions I had when I eventually uh, got back to where I was independent. I actually sought out and found the helicopter pilot from that day uh, wow. and the crew and. The doctor uh, and the nurse that uh, I woke up to and uh, had the opportunity to 
meet up with them and tell them thank you eyeball to eyeball for saving me. That, wow. was, that was one of my missions in life. So it was a, a nice thing to, for, for me to, to clear up in my conscience to say thank you to them. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that's incredible that you were able to find them and remember their names and all that and go back and find them. Were they still uh, still in the military? or They're all out. The nurse is out in California. The uh, doctor lives up in Washington. Helicopter pilot died. You know, that was back in the uh, early, uh, I'd say early 70s, mm-hmm. uh, middle 70s when we got that accomplished. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. Uh, yep, and, uh, you know, Colonel White uh, has a saying, uh, there are no coincidences. Uh, exactly. You know, it, like you said, it happens for a reason. We don't know why, and uh, yet uh, many of us even today are, are saying why. And, but, you uh, know, one of the things I want to address that you brought up, I, I, I have said this my whole life to, to all veterans, and I, I uh, was employed as a veteran service officer. I, I fought the VA on behalf of veterans and their families. The, the VA is in the business of finding a way to say no and minimize what they do. And when service officers will find a way to say yes and maximize what they're required to do. But every veteran, whether it's Guard or Reserves, active duty, no matter where you served in the world, you're part of the whole team called the United States military so you are a veteran I think the VA did a big justice to our generation when they came up with the term Vietnam War Vietnam era anybody could have been activated to, to Southeast Asia you just had another duty to serve elsewhere but you did your duty so thank you for your service well thank you and um, you know it, <laughs> that's a lot different from uh, what a lot of folks felt like back in the uh, in the uh, late 60s and early 70s, but, uh, you know, I I have all the respect in the world for those friends and, and people that I'm, yeah, I'm very fortunate getting to yep. know. We're all, we're all part of a great team. We're uh, all part of a great brotherhood now. We take care of each other, okay? We do, and, and it's, uh, it's a lot different, and I, I've been blessed to uh, meet so many of our Georgia heroes through uh, Rick White and uh, like you said though they're all heroes and I have a uh, I think I mentioned to you I have a son that's uh, in the Air Force an officer in the Air Force station in Germany and uh, I'm very very proud of him and what he's doing and uh, his decision to go into the military and as long as we're there Tommy I might as well put a plug in as we talked about last night the military if you're in if you're a senior in high school or you're about to graduate from college and you haven't decided what you want to do or if your parents if you're a parent and you have a a teenager or or a college graduate that hadn't decided what they want to do take a look at the military it offers everything and it's uh it's not all everybody, unfortunately, I say everybody, many people, unfortunately, uh, look at the military as as a Tommy situation, but it's not. It's a, it's, a, it's a great opportunity, and you can learn a career. You, the pay is good nowadays, and, you know, and like you said, Tommy, it's, you're joining the largest fraternity or sorority in the world. And Absolutely. You know, I, they, I, get in, I get in trouble on a lot of high school camps that go on for encouraging all the 
the seniors and juniors who are going to do whatever to think about the military as an option because it is a it is a great training ground and, and you get to be with some of the America's finest sons and daughters that are friends for life. Okay. Oh, no question. And uh, you know, there were a couple of terms that came out of "I got your six, I got your back," uh, you know, and that's that's what the military is all about. Uh, you've got somebody on a, either on your side or behind you or even in front of you, like the FO that you were, uh, Tommy. Uh, the only thing that's dumber than being an FO, pardon me, is that uh, point. But you know. Yeah, folks, we're, all part, we're all part of the team, okay? <laughs> all part of it. It's just uh, sometimes it's a better better part of it than the... Uh, but, there, you know, in Vietnam, there was no good position other than you were surrounded by friends. And you knew that you had the guys back in front of you and somebody behind you had your back. And... Uh, um, uh, one of uh, one of our hosts was talking one time about drugs and and the problem that with drugs in Vietnam and like I told her the the army had a way of taking care of their own drug problems we won't I won't go into that but they did and uh, and they did absolutely and, uh, you couldn't be out on patrol with somebody that was hiring a kite and uh, so they took care of it but this uh, you know. Um, when did you, okay, you, you get medevaced out, you you probably um, went from wherever the first triage was, and then uh, then you were flown to Germany, or? No, I actually spent seven days, and I was actually out my record, so I was actually unconscious for seven days, wow. and I came to at, uh, the 12th of Vac in Kuchi, Vietnam, and went from there to... I think it was called the 106 Hospital in uh, Japan, and then to the Guam, and I still remember uh, Guam because the, the the Air Force nurses were there, and they were they were uh, they well all nurses are great, but I still remember the Air Force nurses just had uh, a vibrance about them in terms of taking care of us at that time frame. Went from Guam to Travis Air Force Base in California to. Uh, Fort Scott, I think it was called Fort Scott in, uh, or, uh, Scott Air Force Base in Illinois, and then to Fort Gordon, Augusta, which is where I spent, uh, two months, no, excuse me, let's see, time, two months, yes, and then I ended up in the VA in Atlanta for, for another 21 months. Oh, wow. Well, I know the Claremont VA well, or I know where it is. I'd never been in it, but, uh, uh, hopefully it was, uh, I I don't know any other way. I hope you got your money's worth. Um, and uh, they obviously, someplace along the line, they took care of you well. And Well, when I, when I came back, I was actually one of the first patients at the Atlanta VA Medical Center. I grew up three miles from where it was built. Wow. So I got to come home. But the Atlanta VA, back at that time, became the Southeastern Regional Center for multiple entities. So we had at any one time a couple of hundred guys in there missing uh, multiple limbs. Hmm. So that was another unique brotherhood that we had. And uh, I still keep all of us that went through there together in terms of what's going on with us. We used to have reunions of just us amputees, but it's, uh, it got too hard on a lot of the guys. So we haven't done that probably in about 10, 15 years now. But back then, the, our, the, 
nurses and doctors and everybody in the staff were of the World War II generation, and they looked at us like they're their sons. And they came in after duty hours on the weekends. You know, they invited us to their homes for dinner. They took us out on the weekends. It was a whole different environment back then wow. in terms of what it is now. But uh, the VA does a good job with what it has. I simply think it's overloaded. It'll never be properly funded. Uh, the doctors and nurses have a massive workload on them in terms of the number of people they have to handle. So it's just, a, it, you know, you want to see socialized medicine, go to the VA. Yeah, okay? no, thank you. That, that that is that is total socialized medicine. Who you can see, when you can see, and and months and and you know many many months down the road before sometimes you can get an appointment. But that's that's reality. What bothers me about the VA the most is, as I said earlier, that I, they don't like me saying this, but I firmly believe they find a way to do the least and find a way to say no when they should be looking to find a way to say yes and maximize what they're, they have the, the ability to provide, okay? Well, you know, and uh, certainly you can interrupt me and tell me I'm crazy, but I have this real thing on, and, and again, I did not serve in Vietnam. I served in that era, but I have this thing that... I don't believe anybody should be allowed to run for office that hasn't been in the military. And the reason being is it's an old American Indian saying that until you've walked a mile in my Mexicans, who are you to judge me? And um, that that's a lot of people have said, um, you know, walk a mile in my shoes, walk a mile in my boots. Someone like some of our politicians today that are on the Armed Service Committee and others that uh, have powerful positions, they have no clue. And as far as I'm concerned, veterans of all, you know, it's it's just like uh, the, uh, the Blue Water Bill that uh, Trump signed in on December the 10th. Of all the stupid damn things to be held up on by the VA was that someone sitting on a boat outside of Vietnam that had been on patrol, either the rivers or outside of uh, in the ocean or whatever, was not eligible for Agent Orange coverage because they weren't on the ground, and yet... The spray on the boats, uh, they probably got more of the Agent Orange in many cases than uh, some of the troops that were in country. And Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly. You know, and that that's was what I talk about. The crazy. VA, VA tries to minimize what they do, okay? And they, in fact, instead of minimizing, they should be trying to maximize. Exactly. You know, and if they want to charge somebody for it, charge those folks that never served. And have never done anything for their country other than gripe. And, well, there uh, are there are a lot of great employees in the VA system who want to do what is right and constantly try to do that. So those of us that deal with the VA uh, are blessed to have them. But one of the other things that most Americans don't realize is most of our severely combat wounded guys. 
uh, like most Blankies like myself from my generation and, and even this current generation, uh, uh, if they don't uh, they don't choose to deal with the VA simply because of the overload of a long schedule and if they've got you know military tricare and, and other outlets with their job in terms of health insurance, that's where they go just to not deal with the frustration of dealing with the VA. That's not right. That's not but, right. You know, but again, there's still good people there that try to do what's right. It's just it's just overloaded. What they need to do, and people chastise me for this, I've been in favor of day one, is give all of us veterans who are in need of this kind of service, you know, give us a card and let us choose our own doctor and deal with that person for the rest of our life and, and let the United States government provide for that like a lot of countries do for their military. Okay. Well, haven't they opened that up to some extent at this point? They have, but that's another uh, that's another constant fiasco. <laughs> we talk to a lot of veterans that try to use what's called the Choice Program. Uh, it works, and then sometimes it doesn't work. The main thing is that uh, if a veteran wants to go to a, a doctor in his home, his or her hometown, let them do that rather than driving 60, 80 miles to a VA. Oh, yeah, and, and waiting two or three or four hours at the VA. Um, you know, that's just that's just part of America. We deal with it and we move on. Okay. Well, un- until until you came on America's Web Radio and uh, started talking to about some of these things, and uh, I bet you, I bet you, this kid ain't going to drop the ball, and we're going to keep dribbling that ball until we get some reaction out of some. You know, people that are running for office coming up in November, and um, we're going to expose the people that are far and against by, if they have a record, we will expose them far and against the veterans. And uh, we touch a lot of veterans, and I, oh, that, I want to bring this up too. Any veteran that is listening, and I don't care if you're from the Revolutionary War, any veteran that's listening, and are listening in three months, two months, five months, whatever. If you've been affected by the virus and and your business had to close and you've been shut down for a while, whenever you open up, if you want free advertising, call me, David at AmericasWebRadio.com. You can email me or you can call the office, and I'll see that you get advertising about Joe's hot dog stand is reopened, whatever it might be, uh, tired, I don't care what it is. At the same token, if you're a veteran and you're opening a business, and I've we've been doing this now for, for months, if you're opening a business and you're a veteran, let us know and we'll advertise it. Free of charge. There's no absolutely no charge. If it's a uh, if it's uh, Joe's hot dog stand, we'll advertise it for you, Joe. Or if it's uh, Joe's plumbing, we'll advertise that. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world, actually, but certainly not in the United States. We uh, we have people and veterans from all over the country listening to us, from all over the world listening to us. And we'll be glad to uh, give you free advertising about your business all you have to do is be a veteran, give us a little bit of proof on uh, when you served, and uh, 
and you're off and running. You can even be a Vietnam veteran era person. Oh, my goodness, with the plague on you. But uh, anything anything for veterans will do, and we'll be glad to advertise your business. And uh, I bet if you... If we talk to Tommy just right, I would almost bet that uh, if you've got a business that's reopening, that he'd even do an ad for you. We'd be glad to, to support veterans as a whole, and that's one part part of my mission since I got up and around in the 70s. Is, is I, And I've often wondered why we don't have this, and I'm not the one that probably could do it, but why don't we have a directory of businesses in Metro Atlanta or Georgia and every state that are owned by businesses uh, that are owned by veterans, so we know how to, who to go to. Well, I tell my you whole, what, though, my whole life I have done nothing but I deal with veterans for my printing needs or trophies or plaques or whatever I'm doing, my car repair. Yeah. I always seek out a veteran. Well, I tell you what, we've got a gentleman named D. Um, Babcock, Bob Babcock, and he has a publishing company. In fact, he put out. He just uh, has released his book, I'm Ready to Talk, and it's Stories of Vietnam Veterans. And um, he has Deeds Publishing, and I bet you any state, anybody that's listening from any state, you contact me and we'll do exactly what Tommy just suggested. We, And most veterans now are putting it on uh, owned by veterans, or my business is, you know, veteran-owned. Whatever, exactly. but we'll be more than happy to um, start promoting that. And I, I too, you know, you, you know this. This sounds crazy, not crazy, but the you know the safety of dealing with a veteran. They're not all angels by any means, nor anybody, nor is anyone else that I know of. But by the same token, if you go in, I'm a veteran, you're a veteran, and. Nine out of ten times, they're going to take good care of you. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm a firm believer in that. I've been dealing with the same printer my whole life and the same plaque and trophy company my whole life. I know they're going to do me right and do a great job. Exactly. So, you know, I'll be glad to work with Tommy on it. And uh, not trying to take it away from you, Tommy, but I'll... I'll no, I anyway, we can... Said, I've wondered why there isn't, isn't such a directory. I'm not one to put it together, but... You know, it, it would be a viable tool. Oh yeah, and we can uh, we'll we'll do a website on it. Uh, you know, any anything you just contact us and we'll we will work with you and see that it's done. And like I said, if you have a business that's opening back up after this pandemic stuff, uh, let us know. And uh, again, we want to uh, uh, salute General Dix for. You know, they only asked him once, and he said, certainly I'll come back. And he's in, Absolutely. He's in charge of the logistics of uh, getting everything from masks to ventilators where they need to go and seeing who has uh, an abundance of them and where they can be shipped. And uh, General General Dix is, uh, like I told him, I'm, I'm your age, uh, Tommy, and I told him if he'd take me back, I'd... I'd continue to spit polish his boots you know that uh, he, he is a leader of leaders and uh, well, that's really funny but I think you know all of this not funny it's, you're serious because all of us veterans feel like we could still do something to, to participate I, I still you will laugh at this but I remember when Desert Shield Storm started in August of 90 
I had some friends at Fort Mac, and, and I hunt and fish year around and shoot. So I called and I said, listen, I can sit on a rooftop with a rifle and still hit targets 300 yards away and find a job for me, okay? <laughs> yes, sir. You know, they, all, they all laughed, but I was serious. Oh, yeah. And, you know, at some, I, this is a scary thing to say, but at some point we may have to do that. Um God forbid, but a lot of us think that, don't we? Yep, and uh, I tell you what, folks, if you want to scare yourself to death, and um, I really hadn't meant to say this, but I I will, if you want to scare yourself to death, find out how many Muslims are running for political office this year in 2020. Uh, The number is, this is across the country, uh, the numbers are outrageous, and... uh, as much as China has, you we're able to see what China can do. Be involved and aware of what's going on in their community. That's that's you know that's one of the things I think your our generation and, and we're both seventy three. You know when we grew up, I, we knew our neighbors on both sides of us down the street and up the street. We took care of each other. We knew who was sick and provided food. We don't know what's going on in our communities anymore. People just don't get outside of their own property, and, and that's what that's what needs to change. Okay? Yes, sir. We got we got to be more involved with each other and know what's going on in in every aspect that affects our community. I've, I've got, and you know where I live. I got two neighbors that I know their names, and beyond that, I don't have a clue. And uh, and it's a shame. And one of them has always. Uh, had a flagpole and a flag flying, and yet he was—he never served today. But uh, I always respect it, and I think it—I think it blew over in our last big storm the other day. But, well, see, uh, I think our generation caused part of this because I—it's I, funny, but I'm one of those when I get on an elevator somewhere, I, I'd say hi to everybody. Nobody says hi back. Yeah, you know, you're out walking and you meet eye, you make eye contact and say how are you doing today. Nobody talks back. But we raise a generation of kids. This this thing called danger stranger or stranger danger or something. You know, talk to them and they back up and say danger. You know, we've instilled in a whole generation that you you just don't communicate with people. You know, you know that's funny that you mentioned that because I I've uh, I had gotten to this point, but uh, (laughs) certainly backed off now with all that's going on, but. I went through some, uh, I won't even go into it, but uh, tougher than normal times uh, back in the early uh, 2018. And I started, uh, was talking to uh, some folks, and um, I started trying to do a little attitude adjustment of my own. And so whenever I was at a grocery store or doing something, and it, and it really became a game, and it was a fun game, because I'd see somebody and I'd smile at them and nod, you know, like, hello or whatever but i'd smile and in many cases a couple of years ago you'd get that smile back and uh, i just i it was like a game that i was playing well will they or won't they you know understood and uh but you know like uh, this i don't my thinking on this pandemic thing is that we ain't seen nothing yet um i don't I'm not as concerned about catching COVID-19 as I am, you know, not only the economy, but changes in life. They're talking about no more handshakes, no more hugs, no more this, no more that. And um, 
I think we're in for a world of change, and uh, I'm not smart enough to identify it or even guess at it, but I, I think we've got... Uh, We've got, and, and this was something. Well, I, everybody just needs to remember we're all human beings, and we still got to take care of each other. And, you know, here in the South, we do hug and do handshakes. I I don't know if that will ever totally go away, especially in our families and our churches, and, you know, other outlets where we know everybody. You know, God forbid we reach a point where we don't even communicate with each other. Oh yeah. Let me ask what, uh, and I I don't mean to. Well, you and I talked about it last night. It's not a prying question. It's just a, the shock of waking up and saying, oh, my God, what? I, I can't imagine what that was like and the, and the thoughts that you had about my future. What am I going to, you know? How and how long? I mean, you're, you're incredible. And our chat last night just was the icing on the cake of how incredible you are, but the scary times that you must have gone through, both at, at the VA and, and well, I guess you went to Walter. Did you go to Walter Reed as well? No, I did not. Oh, okay. But, no, but part, again, part of, the I think, who I am is how my parents raised me. I've, I've always worked. I, you know, if I wanted something, I had to earn money to buy it. If I made mistakes, it was my responsibility to, to own up to and correct it. You know, I grew up in athletics, so I was always in good shape, and I like competition. And I can honestly say that uh, I I don't ever remember, and those around me don't remember me ever being down about my situation. And I think that's that's part of my faith in God. Is there there's a reason for everything? There's a reason for everything. So, you know, you you assess what you got and you move on. And, and I've still got a lot of great talents and abilities. And, and, and God is good to me. And first words out of my mouth when I wake up each morning, thank you, God, for another day to be alive. So we, we move forward. And, you know, people laugh at this, but part of my message, and I do a lot of different venues, in terms of public speaking, high schools or colleges or a Memorial Day, Veterans Day, you know, banquets, whatever. But I always share with people that, that to me, there, there are five words that I have to live each day to, to know I lived a good life. And they're in the order that I prioritize them and, and what I need to do. And they are God and self, family, community, and country. And if I live each those, those each day, I have had a great life, and I can die and move on, and, and, and I ain't worried about dying. God is good. Well, and your sacrifice, and um, and I, I, I don't even think you look at it like that. There was a sacrifice; it was just part of the job, and there you went. And, uh, and I, here, in many ways, I do that. I don't sit around and think about what I can't do. I, I know my limitations, but I'm, I'm one of those I will try. I, I have no paralysis. God was really good to me. I have no paralysis. And I actually, uh, you know, you're going to laugh at this, but when Six Flags in Atlanta was starting, I actually went out and test rides, some of their rides, to see if somebody like me could stay in the chairs. Wow. And, and I thought it was fun. Okay? Huh. And, you know, you, you back before green screens, 
uh, the green screen in the movie where they can mm-hmm. make everything look real and it's not. Mm-hmm. I, I was uh, used in several situations where they needed an amputee in a scene, and, and I did that. God, I thought that was fun. It was realistic, you know? So you, you make use of what you got. And I, you know? You know, and... The uh, only dumb questions are question not asked, okay? You know, the... Uh you make use of what you've got, and um, I don't chastise, but far be it from me, but uh, many of the things that are happening today and many of the shows that we have on on America's Web Radio, um, people ask or people will comment or this or that or whatever the case might be, but um, it's true with everything from addiction to immigration to veterans up and down the gambit. And in our my 73 years, I have never seen. I mean, I'm, I'm totally amazed at the the knowledge that we have at our fingertips. I mean, all we have to do is type in something and. And you get the answer almost across the board. And we as a country, and I'm, I'm wondering sometimes if this isn't part of uh, why we're going through what we're going through, is to uh, teach a lesson that, you know, we, we, God gave us a brain, and it wasn't just to hold a place in the skull, it was to use. And... Um, we as a public and don't use it to certainly not to the capacity that we could and i'm as much at fault as anybody else is but we have all this information and yet we don't we can't walk in the other person's shoes and we don't take the time to educate ourselves and uh, in turn we don't take the time to educate our children and in some ways this whole pandemic thing May we we may not look at it as a blessing, but it may be a blessing for families coming together. I don't have a family, but uh, families coming together and teaching their kids and seeing what their kids are doing, and they were they're forced to do it now. Whereas before, you know, schools were almost looked like at a, as a babysitting center, Absolutely. and uh, that's that's not what they're there for, and and that's not what the parents are there for. And so well, I actually made that same comment back in in late February to to several people that I think we're going to see that the kids that are at home and are getting school done faster in fewer hours than sitting in the classroom all day that they're going to have second thoughts about going back. Okay, you know, so it, parents and and families are interacting, and I think that's great. So oh yeah, we all have the opportunity. You know, here. I, my grandkids know this, and my son and daughter do this growing up. I read constantly. I don't, I don't know enough. I I need to know more than I know, so I'm constantly educated. But I'm one of those that you'll laugh at this. I practice something that Sun Tzu's and the Art of War had in his uh, thesis. You know, know your enemy. Mm-hmm. You need to learn everything about the other side so you can articulate your side better. So you you've got to educate yourself constantly. You know, that that brings up another point. Friday, we have a show on uh, 
the master's message and this is our kung fu master that um, we have now uh, that that's doing a show and we're going to start every show off with meditation and um, it's uh, she Daru is is the kung fu master and he was he was orphaned at three years old and is is almost like the the grasshopper story you know and, wow uh, he uh, he moved in. Uh, the monks took him in, and and they taught him, you know. And like I said, he's a master and uh, uh, and a teacher. And he has spoken at uh, you know Yale and Harvard and many many medical schools. Basically, mind over body, and uh, you know the power of the brain to control what the functions of your body. And, Absolutely. Uh, he is he is incredible and a, a great speaker and and he is uh, going to be doing a weekly show for us and we we talked the other day that um, the first two or three minutes of the show each day uh, each Friday will be meditation and helping people across the country uh, find out about meditation and the power that it has for healing and the power it has for many many things and uh, and and i might add he's also a christian he's a presbyterian and um, so he and i have that one thing in common that we're both presbyterians but um, he is a wonderful beautiful man that uh, wants to help society and uh, he's he's a great teacher and so we invite everybody to listen on Fridays, Friday uh, at ten o'clock, I believe is the time that his show is going to be on. And uh, well, that's awesome! Wow, you definitely have a variety of people on, on this uh, show you've got. That's uh, a <laughs> great education unto itself. We uh, we we have the most unique shows, and I am very very blessed that we have the greatest of hosts going. They are just absolutely tremendous. And they're experts in their field, and they're they're lovers of humanity, and they give of their time. And uh, um, she will be uh, is is a she uh, Deru is his name, and he he is going to be quite a uh, an asset to the radio station. And uh, we're looking forward to the show and and his show. Changing lives, and uh, we just uh, we just did a show a few minutes ago called the Doctor's Lounge, and Scott Barber is an orthopedic surgeon, and uh, you know he's bringing the truth, as does do all the doctors that participate in the show. He's bringing the truth about what we're talking about in hospitals, just like you mentioned. If you want socialized medicine and want to see how good it is go to a VA, and it's funny because you mentioned it, and this is an hour after Scott had mentioned it, and uh, we, we just can't, can't go with socialized medicine, folks. No, uh, no, that's not the answer. No, and, uh, you know, uh, we, we have to help ourselves, and uh, I know that my grandfather's saying is describes you 200 percent um tommy that uh god helps those that help themselves and uh 
you have certainly helped yourselves through a crisis that uh, most of us, my certainly myself included, uh, I, I can't even imagine, and I, I can't wait until we are, we're sitting across the table from each other in the near future. Um, well, I, you know, we go through life with a lot of people that help us achieve what we achieve. We don't do it alone. It's always a team effort, and I share, I, I share this with your audience. I knew how my family was going to interact with me by two things that happened. My mom came to Fort Gordon, Augusta when I arrived there, and she, I, she shared with me later that she asked the doctor if there was anything wrong with my brain, and he said, no, it's intact. He said, my mom said, well, then I'm not worried about my son. He'll, he'll solve this. But back in the day, when I was a teenager, deer season used to open up on the first Saturday in November. Now it opens up as early as October. But I was still in a VA hospital laying flat. I got hit May 69. I did not set up in a wheelchair until January of 70. Wow. So I'm in the hospital bed, and Friday night before that Saturday opening deer season, my dad and my uncle come in, and they had arranged for permission from the doctor to take me down to our deer land and put me in the back of, we had a, a 1954 truck that we converted as our hunting truck, <laughs> put me in a, a flat a bed in the back of it, took me down to Monticello, mm-hmm. and I, I was there with all the people I had grown up hunting and fishing with and scouting with my whole life. Now, I didn't get to stay the whole day because it didn't work out, but that told me my family was going to be there for me and, and I was going to make it. And uh, we need family to do everything we do in life. People just can't do it by themselves, okay? You just you just hit home. Uh, I lost my family uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, it's uh, not not to death or anything like that. Just circumstances, and uh, understood. I, uh, you know, but now you have a whole different family, David. You got everybody you've interviewed and listened to your show and know who you are. That's that's a family unto itself, but. That's true. That's very true, and uh, I'm very, very fortunate. And uh, I, uh, you know, when you get down, you get that call from a friend, and uh, and you get back up again. You know, and uh, I've been very, and I, I got to give all, or not all the credit, but I, I've got to reach out and and say Rick White is an incredible gentleman unto himself, and quite a Christian as well. And that. Uh, Amen. You know, Rick is uh, director of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and uh, I don't know of a veteran one that he doesn't love. And, oh, by the way, I I always ask whoever I'm interviewing on this show one important question, and it's only one. Can you name one veteran that you know that can only tell one story? (laughs) Not possible. <laughs> Not possible. I don't think no. so either. Yeah, understood. They, Good uh, point. They have a. Uh, they take a little bag with them everywhere they go, and they they've got that bag stuffed full of stories. When I was, when I was, when I was, and uh, that's the way a veteran is. And that you're never for lack of conversation when you got ten or twelve veterans sitting around you there, there's always some somebody talking and and there's always that guy that's going to be the one-upsman you know and, understood uh, 
but it's it's fun and it's it's great and uh, I'm looking forward to um, and you you live out there real close like I do to uh, when Mike Mazel can uh, give us another date when they're going to open the healing wall for Vietnam at uh, uh, in Johns Creek. Uh, they had to put it off. Uh, they were going to start it on the 20th, or not start it, but have the opening ceremonies on March the 28th. But because of the, the pandemic and, and uh, some of the completion of it, uh, they had to postpone the, the grand opening. But it should be coming, I, I'm guessing, uh, maybe by uh, September or something. I'm, I don't know. Uh, I'm waiting on Mike Mazel to call, but... Uh, it's going to be quite a sight, and uh, it means so much to so many people. And uh, Mike Mazel has done a, a fantastic job, and uh, looking forward to it. Well, there you go with that. That's just uh, that's a group of veterans that came together and decided they wanted to make something happen. Yes, sir, and okay. they did. <laughs> and they did. And uh, we'll all be there with our. Uh, Radio Sandy, not Radio Sandy Springs, uh, America's Web Radio. Uh, that was a flashback mistake, by the way. Uh, anyway, um, we'll all be there with America's Web Radio and waving our flags and uh, supporting Mike and uh, the JC Veterans Association. Uh, that, that they work their tail off and they're great guys. So, with that, um, what else? Uh, relate a story that you that. Uh, have you got one that you'd like to tell, Tommy? Well, uh, you know, the, the great part about my travels around the state and the country is I get to meet some of the most unique, great people everywhere, and, and they're, all, they're all in the veterans' military community. But I had an opportunity uh, last Veterans Day. Uh, I was out in Branton, Missouri for several days speaking at several venues, and I got to speak at a, a college called the College of the Ozarks. Oh yeah, and I happen to know. It. Oh them. yeah, I am. And uh, I was so impressed with what they do for their students and how they operate. And and, and at that point, uh, President Davis had told Nike to take their 1.2 million to shove it after the Kaepernick incident, and he got chastised for that. But they they came back from that loss of money, but. Wow, talk about emulating what America is all about, working your way through college with no debt, you know, uh, growing your own food, going to classes, to worshiping God, creating your own food. So you're familiar with this. I, I share that story with a lot of people. I, oh, I, and I am so impressed. You can't find a more beautiful area in the world, I don't think. And uh, all of the students have a job. and uh, Exactly. Like, they wait. They either wait tables, or they bring food, or they cook, or they do this, or they do that. And uh, oh yeah, I, I uh, I'm you know it's funny uh, again that you mention that because that goes back to when I was wow, ten or twelve years old. So sixty years ago I was there, and uh, my parents. I and when I was looking to go to college, I I. I had thought about there and then for, totally forgot when I graduated from high school that I, because I thought it was so neat all the all of the students had jobs and uh, I, I can almost I can tell you the name but I could almost tell you what they looked like the the kids that would wait on us you know 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they grow their own cows and, you know, cut their own meat, you know, hogs and cows, raise horses, vegetables, fruits. It it is just an impressive campus, and and I applaud them for what they're doing. And, you know, to get in there as a student, you've got to be able to prove that you can't afford to go to school. So that's one of the criteria they have now. So those kids understand that they've got to they've got to make it happen and they graduate 98 percent of those that come there that's what's even more amazing oh yeah that's that's tremendous oh now you have <laughs> you keep messing up my head tommy i'm getting sort of tired of this um i hear you you know last night i couldn't sleep thinking about you and uh and now you bring up a memory from oh Says seventy years ago, sixty years ago, sixty-five. Well, there's a lot of lot of great memories across this country. We've got America is uh, uh, the greatest society God's ever created, and if, if one studies history, you, you come to understand that no matter what the other side says, the rest of the world wants to emulate us. Okay, that's right. You're right, absolutely. And and just like uh, we heard today, why did China? do this because they wanted to prove that their labs were better than ours? Yep. Absolutely. How sick can you get? Well, they're probably a lot sicker than that. We just haven't seen it. God forbid we do, okay? That's true. That's very true. Um, Tommy, we've run out of time. I've talked right through and and, uh, we've got a, I got a push the button and all i can say is thank you and will you come back and be on america's web radio in fact if you don't mind holding on i'd like to talk to you afterwards i would feel honored to do so and and i just thank you for the opportunity and appreciate what you're doing it it takes a a lot of time to accomplish what you do with uh, your uh, web seminars and all that you do do so thank you from bottom of my heart for what you're doing for america guy thank you sir We will uh, be back with more right after a couple of messages. And, uh, Tommy, I'll pick up and we'll talk for a second. Yes, sir. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.